This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast, and we're coming to you after a little lull. We had to take a bit of a pause, a bit of a break after the West Ham game. We went to West Ham Monday night. It was Monday night football. And unfortunately, not enough football was played as far as we were concerned by the mighty, mighty bees who weren't as mighty on Monday against West Ham. 4-2, we went down at the um, taxpayers' stadium, as they call it. And uh, it wasn't a great spectacle, I have to say, for bees fans. There's not a lot of things that went right. And not only will us confirm that, Thomas Frank confirmed that as well after the match. He was probably a little bit concerned with our performance. But anyway, we'll talk about that. Plus, we'll talk about lots of other things on this podcast. My name is Billy Grant. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my man, Laney, in the house. And last time I saw Laney, you were going off into the sunset after leaving West Ham. And surprisingly, we didn't even have a pint after the game. It was so bad, we decided not to have a farewell drink. Because normally, you try and kick football out of football. But it was impossible to kick football out of football in that game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, a, I get once again, another hard watch in, in parts, you know, a 2 nil down almost straight away. Um, you feared the worst. You feared like this could be a, you know, a, a calamitous score. So, you know, we, we pulled one back and stopped the, stopped the rot for a little bit of time. But, you know, uh, we couldn't, couldn't really build anything. And, you know, it, it seemed like West Ham had won that game after, you know, six minutes. So, yeah, a difficult, difficult trip to uh, East London. London, you know, they did owe us one, but if they're going to beat us, we, we, we would hope that we would have put up a little bit more of a show than that. Um, six times we played them, five times we've beaten them, but this this one was arguably, you know, the most important because we, we, need, we need points now, Bill. That's right. Six minutes, Dougie Fresh, you're on, but we shall move on as well. We'll talk about the West Ham game a little bit later, but there's a few other things as well we thought we'd just talk about just to take our mind off the football or the current on-pitch football for the moment as well. I think the first thing actually we want to talk about, we didn't get a chance to really chat about this last week because we went a little bit underground last week, we have to say. Sometimes, you know, you get a little bit busy and uh, like I said to you, things don't quite happen as they're meant to. Um, But just coming back to some news that hit uh, the ground, talking about Matthew Benham, uh, and they're talking about how Matthew Benham is potentially seeking some investment for Brentford. 
Now, this is a story which is not necessarily news. We've talked about this, you know, a number of times uh, in the past, especially I think the first time where it popped up was when we were in the championship. And Matthew Benham said, look, you know, he's always said, listen, I always look for investors. If somebody wants to come in, you know, and it's the right call, then, you know, maybe I might do it. And like I said to you, we look for investment when you're in the championship. And I think the guy's name was Chien. He, uh, he, he, he was looking to invest in Brentford. Uh, he was going to take sort of near, round about, close to sort of 50% of the club, whether or not it's 49%, 51% or 50%, I'm not quite, I can't quite remember. Um, and I think the, the figure banded around at the moment was third, at the time was £30 million. He ended up not doing the deal with us and he ended up going to Barnsley and I think he bought either the whole club or 95% for £5 million, which kind of shows you where the difference lies. Uh, the reason why I'm throwing that into the pot now is that Obviously, we didn't take the investment. We still managed to get into the Premier League anyway, because I think at the time we thought we needed more investment to try and compete against the likes of your um, Sheffield Wednesdays who were sort of cheating and getting loads of money, spending loads of money and cheating so that they get in the Premier League. The likes of Derby who were spending loads of money because they were cheating trying to get into the Premier League. And we felt that we found it quite difficult to compete against those lot who were paying big wages, big money. So we thought we need investment in. But we got to the Premier League regardless of the cheating that was going on around us and uh and now so Matthew Benham still owns the club 100% lock stock and two smoking barrels and and the word is on the street that now he's looking for investment for a club that apparently is worth about 450 million pounds Laney this is interesting news isn't it I've got Laney in the house by the way how are you doing Laney yeah, I did say hello, I think. Um, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of buckets full of money, um, you know, from from the ones of us that remember rattling buckets to survive. Um, uh, after, after you know, Dave Webb and Ron Nodes had pillaged our club um, and have abused the ownership of our club, you know, we, we were left to kind of... Uh, scramble around for, for for pennies, trying to trying to keep the club's head above water. So for a valuation of four hundred million, with with players coming in um, thirty million pound plus now, um, it shows you the you know the the the, the, the growth that our club has, has enjoyed over you know the Benham tenure um, and obviously the Premier League, Premier League promotion. Um, it shows you you know how the elevation of our clubs happened and the new stadium is obviously he's bought into you know or, uh, you know helped to, to to get that valuation up towards 400 million the thing that kind of strikes me is how different media outlets have kind of like uh reported this news you know i think we spoke before christmas when um benham uh you know the the news first came to light again recently that he was open to to bids or open to out, outside investment um and this is just a follow on from that i guess i guess you know that was uh, the appointment of Rothschild um to to go out into the you know um into the market for want of a better word you know so um sky news reported as brentford fc owner eyes 400 million valuation um, the Daily Mirror, Brentford put up for sale as owner sets huge price tag. I, am, I haven't seen any for sale signs outside the ground, but you know I went past the other day, so maybe they they've been put up by Dexter's or whoever whoever going to put the club up for sale at the weekend. Um, London Football, Brentford owner 
Matthew Benham open to selling and then sports pro media Brentford owner Matthew Benham exploring new so that's there there's that's where I'm kind of at he's, he's looking into the possibility of rather than you know put a, putting a for sale sign up desperate to sell I think that's that's where we're at and you know as a as a passionate fan obviously any change from the you know from the situation at the moment the the, the situation that's brought success is is a bit of a threat you know um we don't necessarily want change well, obviously we want change on the pitch but what's happened off the pitch has you know been central to the success and the transformation of our club you know my book Brentford Revolution it courses the whole of that journey and Benham without Benham that journey doesn't happen um, in fact we probably die as a league club but we haven't got to go over that story at the moment it's just it looks like he's investigating options and he's uh, you know nominated Rothschilds one of the biggest you know accountants spoke stroke fund managers stroke you know uh, uh, capital companies in the, in the world to one of the most respectable ones to That's go right. out and look into look into possibilities of outside investment and so, interesting just just to stop you there as well and there's a yeah. little interesting historic link with Rothschild as well and investment with Brentford which I think JB's going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast isn't he lady yes he is yeah J, right. but JB's gone right back in time and on, on this one so yeah listen out for that so yeah so going back to the point he's looking into the possibility of um, attracting outside investment and you know I know for a fact that the, the club now that they're you know they're looking to spend well they've looked to spend last last summer 20s and 30s and 40 millions and they have now gone into the 30 million bracket with Tiago, um, you know, and obviously Nathan Collins was our previous record signing in, in, in the twenties. We got several in the twenty millions. You can only do that so many times where you're thinking, "Blimey, you know, it's, that's a lot of that's a lot on one person's shoulders, really." And I know we've accrued a lot of money by being in the Premier League, but there's a lot of money going out on wages as well. So maybe Benham's going, "Well, come on, let's let's share this out." It's the, with the, we've 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 kind of amplified the amount of money we spend um, and before it might have been within his comfort zone and now it might be a little bit outside it so you know I think he's earned the right to, to look into options and then you know we can then decide um, whether it places our club into jeopardy or in the most likely situation it won't because I believe he won't put us in a worse situation by any decision that he makes yeah just uh, just just coming back to the historic uh, side of this as well as I was talking about a bit earlier um, the investor who was actually looking to buy the club beforehand. His name is Chien Lee, actually. He's out of Hong Kong. He actually owns Nice. I'm not sure if he still owns Nice, but he did at the time. Um, and he, he actually was looking to, to buy Hull City in Middlesbrough at the time. Uh, and he was talked with, uh, with Matthew about acquiring a possible 50% stake in the club at a price of 25 to 30 million, which basically meant that the club was worth 50 to 60 million pounds at the time. So like I said to you, 50 to 60 million pounds it was worth. And this was 2017, almost like almost like seven years ago now, actually. So it is, it is April 2017. And now we're talking about sort of March through April 2024. And the club's worth 450 million pounds. So we're talking about basically almost a 10 times kind of increase in the value of the club over those seven years which is actually quite quite phenomenal it's got to be said so uh, quite interesting and I think for Matthew Benham as well he's probably quite happy that he held out and didn't sell to Chen Lee um, I'm not sure what 
how his tenure at, um, at at Barnsley went down at the time. I don't know if he's loved or whether or not there's like, oh no, we're not happy with this character. But I think it's probably good, a good thing that it didn't go down. And the reason why I say that as well is um, obviously you were talking about the looking at possibilities. Uh, we've got our sources out there as well. And, and obviously the club will say that, you know, if they are looking to have anybody to invest in the club, they'll make sure that it isn't a character. It isn't anyone who's going to perform shenanigans. We're not going to get dodgy characters involved. It's going to have to be proper people involved as well. Um, again, this Chen Li, Li thing may or may not have happened at the time, but again, it'd be interesting to see what his history had been because you might see kind of where the plotted history may have gone for Brentford if he was in charge as opposed to, or not in charge, but if he's involved as opposed to Matthew Benham involved with, obviously Matthew Benham, was, well, uh, as far as we're concerned, it's gone perfectly. And I, I'm, I'm hoping maybe if they look back at that, that lessons may be learned by looking at what may or may not have happened then to ensure that now, if anybody does get involved, they will ensure that person is the right person. Uh, and I know that for a fact, because like I said to you, we've got our characters out there and they've told us that, you know, listen, if we're going to get involved in anyone, it's only going to be the right people. Yeah, and uh, you know that's important. You know, we 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 obviously looking from a distance at the Manchester United situation, where you've got the Glaziers that have been in charge of Man United, and you know it's been a, a hugely contentious and divisive ownership reign. Um, how they've leveraged debt and you know gained out of uh, you know the Manchester United turnover and the, their profit, and basically been ripping money out of it using using sort of leverage and, and, and remortgaging the club. Um, and then you've got Sir Jim Radcliffe coming in um, and how that buyout or that investment is, is although it's probably a minority, he's actually taking over the, the kind of running of the club. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's, you know, we, we've got maybe nothing to learn from that situation, but it's, it's just from, it, 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 he's seen as a, a kind of like a, a knight in shining armour, whether he is or not, only time will tell. But that was against uh, a situation where the, the owners were hated. Um, we've got a we've got the flip of that, haven't we? We've got you know a situation where Matthew Benham could not be more respected by the Brentford fan base. Now I know it was times not so long ago where people were accusing him of all sorts. Um, but you know, fortunately, people have seen the light of day now, and, and the success has proved you know his mythology. You know, to be the right and his vision and his expertise to be the right course for our club. Um, so someone coming in, rocking that boat, that, as I said before, it's, it is a threat, you know, it's a threat to the stability um, and it's a threat to that knowledge base and that expertise and our cutting edge, Bill, to be honest with you. You know, we, I think we've all grown to love and enjoy the way that we do things. You know, at the moment it's hard to watch because we're, we're, we're losing and we will talk about the injury crisis um, in a little bit. Um, but, you know, uh, I think we all believed if we had all the best players at our our, um, our disposal for this season, um, you know, Ivan Tony aside, we would have been much, much further up the league. So it, it kind of warps it a little bit because of the jeopardy of the league situation. But the um, we don't really need any more um, insecurity at the moment. So we'll just see, you know, what you've said before, I've said before, um, you can only sell a club um, at that price if someone wants to come in and pay that price I, I don't think it's a sliding scale of it will take whatever's chucked at him I think it will accept um, the right amount of money from the right person or the right institution to come in and underpin what he's started I don't 
I don't personally see this as the end. Um, I just see this as a way of kind of just sharing a burden slightly. Yeah, indeed. So listen, I mean, there's no much, much point talking about it anymore because at the end of the day, it's something that may or may not happen, but it's just quite interesting because it's been flagged up. Like I said to you, and as you said before, um, the most important thing about it is it's it's your it's where your ceiling is at the moment now, and it's, it's where do Brentford you know where do Brentford want to go? Brentford to get to that next level, um, do believe that they're going to have to invest more, okay? And like I said, you've, as you said, you know, Benham may not want to take that risk himself, so it may be a case that you have to bring somebody else in to help us to invest more and for him to reduce his own personal risk. So this is kind of where we're at. Um, I think the fear that people may have, and I'll 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 hundred percent say that I'll have the fear. You say you have the fear. Is how much it's going to change the club. How much would this change the club if somebody else comes in? And also my other fear will be is when you start getting twice and third removed, because yes, Matthew Benham, if he does bring somebody in, and I said if, we don't say when, we're saying if he brought somebody else in and that person has got quite a large involvement in the club, um, you know, but Matthew Benham is involved, but then maybe at some stage down the line, Matthew Benham stops becoming involved. All of a sudden, you start talking about new generations, and then you start to talking about maybe other people becoming involved, and those people may not have the same kind of, you know, uh, you know, the same kind of vibe as to where we're coming from, and you know, people may have different objectives and so on and so forth. And I think that's the fear what a lot of fans, a lot of traditional fans, may um, uh, legacy fans, as we say, may fear down the line about our club how it loses identity, how it loses where it's come from. You know, it's, listen, we understand about success, but it's all about chasing success um, and, and leaving everything behind. You know what I'm saying? You know, just, 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 you know, just, 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 just going, you know, throwing money. We've seen clubs lose their identity massively. You know, even Chelsea to a certain extent, you know, they've brought different people in and they've lost their identity in a massive way. Like, you know, whereas you can argue that, you know, <clears throat> Liverpool, to a certain extent, they've got success, but they've also got an identity. And it's it, and I think with Brentford, what's more important to us than having massive success is actually retaining our identity and where our club is about. That is for me. It may not be the same for younger people that have come in. People have only started supporting them three or four years ago. They may just want to win, win, win. That's all they care about. And you can kind of see it online when we get we lose three games and people start losing their shit. You know what I'm saying? And start getting really angry with each other because we've lost games. And it's kind of like, come on, guys and girls. You know where we come from. You know, in the biggest light of things, that isn't really um, isn't the isn't the biggest um, biggest problem. To be quite honest with you. That's your 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 happy clappy, Bill. I think that's I think that's what we're called when we when we say stuff like that. You know, we're, um, we're we're happy clappy. We're we're, we're winning is not the be all and end all. Um, now it, it, it's yeah. I, I said you know it's it's a it's a concern. Um, we we'll watch this space and you know you mentioned legacy fans there, and you know there are lots of there's there's lots of uh, issues where you know fans of a certain era or a certain age will have contrasting opinions. Whether that is you know. Um, it was more fun in the championship or it was better back in the 80s. One thing that we will all be united on was what a, what a player that Stan Bowles was. Um, and he, he's a player that we, uh, you know, the character and maverick that we lost this week, Bill. Um, Stan Bowles was uh, an incredible player 
full stop. He was an incredible player in his short-ish term with with Brentford. Um, but he he he's going to be hugely missed around West London. He made his name at Queens Park Rangers. Uh, he was an incredible player there. Um, and then when he came to us, he was still still had so much to contribute um you know we raised our glasses didn't we before the west ham game um over a over a beer um and just kind of like sat and chatted about what he'd what he did on the pitch he he put a smile on on everyone's face he was a complicated character um haunted by uh, betting um betting um, gambling problems not not unlike someone else who plays in Brent for Brentford at the moment and he, he was a he was a he was a character as you say Bill wasn't he listen Stan Bowles mate absolute character I remember used to see him used to go to the new inn and he used to be sitting in the new inn when we used to drink in the new inn there uh, and I remember actually one time we um, in the new inn we we whacked in a video um, and it was of the, I think it's, I think you might have had the video. It was of the, the evening standards, um, sevens, I think it was. Five, five aside. Five yeah. asides. Evening standard five asides. And you had this video of the evening standard five asides. And we started to watch it in the, in the new in pub. And Stan Bowles was sitting there. And I think he was playing in it. And also yeah. he went, where did you get that from? And you sort of said, yeah, I've, I had it. I recorded it. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, oh, I haven't got any stuff of myself here. Can you get me a copy? And he was like, so kind of like, proud to try and get a copy of him sort of playing in the in the, the evening standard by the sides i thought that was quite um that's quite nice actually but um i remember stan bowles i remember when he signed for brentford it was a really exciting moment because obviously um we knew that he played for qpr he was a big player for qpr he's a good player for qpr he's a right character he's like a he was a big name star and for Brentford at that stage, you know, 1981, to have got such a big name star, it was a bit of a coup. And I remember him making his debut. It was against Burnley. I, I remember it quite clearly. I remember going down to the game. I remember standing behind the goal. I remember standing ball balls getting the ball. And then he had a shot and the shot just skimmed and just literally just missed the post by like millimetres, just went outside the post for us. He would have scored on his debut. And I was so excited. I was just thinking, oh, this guy's absolutely brilliant. Um, score was nil all that game, so we drew a nil all against Burnley. And like I said to you, this, in those days, there are not many results that I do remember. So it's amazing. It obviously goes to show you the impact that um, he had on me. The fact I actually remember that we, we played Burnley and we drew nil all against them. Uh, another game as well that I remember he played in, it was later on in the season. So he joined, I think it was the end of, I think it might have been sort of on uh, Halloween even though we didn't do Halloween then. Um, the end of uh, October is when he joined us. And then it, I think it got to April, so back end of that season as well, um, we played Swindon. And I remember, I'm pretty sure it was a night game. We'll have to check it again. Again, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the legacy fans out there may be able to remind us if you can remember. Well, I'm pretty sure it was a night game. And Stanley Bowles, I remember, he took a corner and he swung the corner in and he scored directly from the corner. And all of us were in the corner there as well. Um, we used to, we used to, it used to be the era where you used to be able to switch ends. So um, one end you used to go behind the goal. Uh, so you used to go in the Royal Oak behind the goal and loads of fans there. Then in the second half, or if it's the other way around, you go around to the new road and you stand in the corner by the new road where 
the Brentford were kicking. And we were all singing, Stanley Bowles, Curly Corner, Stanley Bowles, <laughs> Curly Corner. And I just remember it. And we used to sing that like every week after that, you know, just hoping he's going to score another Curly Corner. But great player for Brentford, played in the midfield with uh, Chris Kamara as well, who is a legend, and uh, Terry Herlock as a legend. And listen, mate, those it's, it's funny because we talk about them being the best Brentford midfield ever. And you, you've got Jensen and and, uh, Norgard. and players like that, but you still look back with these uh, these these yeah. eyes, um, yeah, thinking about it's, that. It's good. It's good to to look back, and you know, it's funny. Like you you mentioned, you know, the the, the game of the the even standard five sides at Wembley. Um, that was, I think, I'm not sure exactly what year it was. We got to the final and we lost to Millwall, I believe. Um, and it was like Paddy Roach was in goal, and um, I think uh, Roger Joseph and um, Lynch and you know Bowles and I think Kamara was there as well so it's just like yeah he, he was built for five-a-side he was like he, he, he was if ever there was a five-a-side uh, team you know like a veterans team if Stan Bowles was on your team you'd win every game but talking about it actually reminded me of I was I was a kid you know I was like eight nine eight seven eight well I don't know how old I was I can't work it out but I actually when the players were had come out to like out of the tunnel to Hey Jude um, and we they were warming up just kicking the ball around I, I was on the new road side um, stood in that little dip in front of the railings just kind of looking over the railings and it which used to flood if there was like torrential rain but I used to jump over that fence with another mate of mine Paul Watt and we used to walk like from the new roadside, this is just as they're warming up, about to kick off. The referee would have blown the whistle. The, the captains would have been shaking hands. We walked onto the pitch to the middle of the pitch and got autographs. There's, I'll, have, I could, I'll have to dig my programs out. There would be like six or seven games where me and Paul and maybe others would have walked on and got autographs just as they're about to kick off. And no one said a word. It wasn't you know, get off the pitch. There was no, there was no players like having a go at us for anything. There was no stewards. We weren't kicked out. It was just kind of like, not normal, but you could just do that. And uh, it just reminded me of a kind of like a, a carefree time uh, when I was just a kid where I know I was falling in love with Brentford and uh, he was, he was a massive part of that. You know, it was, he, he made, he made mundane very special. Um, he, he was an incredible, incredibly skillful player. Um, and I don't know how you would compare him with anyone in the modern era at all, especially at Brentford. There isn't, you know, there isn't anyone like him. The, you know, we had a conversation on our WhatsApp group, and the nearest I could get to was kind of a bit Jack Grealish, where he was kind of like, you know, his own man. I know Grealish has to fit into a system, but given the freedom to roam and do what he wants, like he was at uh, um, a Villa. You know, he had that kind of like swagger and skill and socks rolled down by his ankles and, you know, just getting hacked the whole time, pop up with a classy goal, just loving playing. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, as I said, yeah, he'd be straight straight down the pub or straight down the dog track straight afterwards and and uh, blowing all his week's, um, his, his week's wages. So, yeah, go there, you know, Rest in peace, Stan. Um, thanks for what you did at Brentford and thanks for the memories, mate. That's a, thanks. Stan Bowles, absolutely brilliant character, brilliant footballer, and he will be missed for sure. Um, just moving on, um, just coming back to the Benham investment, Laney, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Do you think 
is a little bit of a coincidence, right? That mm. there's an announcement about Matthew Benham wants some investment a few days after Hotter turned up on the pitch at Brentford. And uh, like I said to you, the news has been out that Hotter has invested in some sort of tech company to do with some sort of green kind of sort of kind of green initiative. And he's going to become a billionaire. So Hotter's going to become a billionaire. He turns up at Brentford. He's on the pitch. Everyone's singing Hotter in the last minute from the, the West End and everything like that. And then next minute, we're talking about investment. Now, do you think maybe Hotter may be looking to Hotter and Hot Up and, and, um, and put some money into the bees? Well, you know, two and two. What does that add up to? Ten, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I'd, 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 it, it could be. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's a shrewd, obviously a shrewd cookie, Mr. Mr. Hotter. And um, I think it probably is a coincidence. I don't think they would have appointed Rothschilds if it was just a, a handshake and a natter. But you still need someone to structure the deal. So um, perhaps, yeah, yeah. I mean, there will be worse. You know, we've said before, this is when we spoke about it before, we said, ah, um, Mr. Beckham is 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 sniffing around, not sniffing around, but he's kind of like around the club a lot. Maybe he's maybe he's a bit smitten with the club. And maybe maybe, maybe hotter, hot, hotter and Beckham together. I mean, that, you know, that's that's sort of two oh, the, good the pin-up boys, the pin-up right. boys of, of, right. of Brentford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd, be, we'd be getting loads of headlines and stuff like that. All, all the stuff that we really hate. You know what I'm saying? Headlines. Uh, headline, that's right. Exactly. Um, so yeah, but anyway, interesting. So anyway, just moving on. You know. Um, we're talking about um, investment and money because we need to buy players. Of course, the transfer window is shut. Um, we didn't quite get the players that we wanted to get. Yes, we got Regulon. You know, um, you know, we, we we kind of thought that we did enough that we needed to do um, to get <laughs> to get over the line for this season. And then we got more players injured. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But then Brentford, in true Brentford style, thought, tell you what. We, we, did, we didn't quite tuck in this window, so let's go early. So the super mighty, mighty bees have gone well early on the transfer window this time, haven't they? And they've gone in and they've signed a player before the window's even open. Igor Tiago. Um, whoa, Tiago. Whoa. He comes from Belgium and he signs for the super bees. Um, Tiago, Laney, that, that one came a little bit out of the blue, didn't it? He, I think he finally comes from Brazil, mate. And, well, he does. Um, but he's got a Bulgarian passport. That's and right. Um, so quite a, quite a complicated kind of uh, backstory there, but yeah, uh, yeah his, his backstory is is a fascinating read. Um, but we have gone early, and uh, I've got a, a Bruce supporting author, um, and he's not very happy with us, to be honest with you. <laughs> he's like, uh, well, firstly we're after you know the one Noosa. Noosa, the wonder kid, and then we didn't get him, so we've come along and, and nabbed their, their top scorer. Um, so from what I understand, yeah, we've we've gone early and the deal's all wrapped up. Um and, and, and sorry, 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 and the deal is, you know, it's quite chunky, isn't it's it? Chunky, um, 30 yeah. 31.2 million pounds. Um you know, so so 30 36.5 million euros and then there's add-ons included on that as well. So uh including the add-ons, sorry, the 31.2 million is going to be including the add-ons as well so that's uh that, that eclipses the 23 million pounds that we played for nathan collins who people have still got question marks about actually haven't they isn't it yeah it, 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 again underlines just like that's how much players uh you, that's how much you need to spend to, to get premiership 
ready players. Um, you know, Nathan Collins has, has, has made a lot of a lot of cock ups um, this season. He's had a, he's had a few good games as well. Let's, let's not pile in on him too much. Um, and he has been injured as well. But you know, all the time we've got the Ivan Tony situation hovering over us. Just the the imminent sale, the, the inevitable sale. Um, many people would say, you know, I can't see us being naive enough to let. The, the clock ticked down on, on, on Ivan um, especially now we've gone out and, and, and bought his replacement and obviously we've got Sharda as well there to, to come back um, it, it's a confusing picture you know whilst we've got all the all these you know t- potentially great new signings sidelined and, and crocked it's, it's hard to know what, what our team kind of the potential of this team really is you know you know I'm looking at the league table um, thinking, my God, we don't, we're not that bad, are we? But you know, perhaps we are. When, when, once you've taken out anyone, anyone that's uh, you know was signed to push us onto the next level, um, and 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 the backbone of our team, you know, Pinnock, and now he's out. He's out. You, you think me's out. Me's out. Yeah, you know, it's like well, maybe this is out. <laughs> maybe this is the right place for us. You know, just just struggling above the drop zone. So, you know, we we do need to improve. Um, Tiago is going to hopefully do that for us but you know god we need some of the sort of the the backbone of our team back and you know the new players as well because you know it's, it's been a calamitous season it's been a it's been a anything that could go wrong has gone wrong i just hope the uh the ultimate could go wrong never happens and you know we we survive and we can then kick on because you know at the moment it's, it's a proper dogfight mate that's right. I mean, it is definitely it is a dog fight. Uh, I can hear the dogs barking outside yeah. the house there as well, outside New Griffin Park, as they call it. And just coming back to Tiago, I mean, like I said, he's born in he's Brazil, just outside Brasilia, actually a little town called Gamma, as well. Um, and like I said to you, he, 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 he it's interesting because he he his route in is a little bit kind of it's strange because you you look at the, how much we've we've bought him for and we normally like to try and find these jewels and then get them early and then pay relatively small money for them so we're talking about listen he's brazilian but he ends up in bulgaria playing for ludogrets not even their main team their reserve team as well like you know and he had you know a couple of good games for them um and he was actually picked up from bulgaria by Club Bruges and he was only picked up last summer uh, and they bought him for eight million euros which is maybe what seven six million pounds um, of, off the back of the of, 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 of his work at Ludogrets as it was and now he's only been there for eight months and I think he also started off pretty slowly at Club Bruges as well but all of a sudden boom he's just sparked off he scored goals I think he scored 26 goals for them so far this season uh, and now we've kind of bought him and he's kind of quadrupled their investment in a shorter space time. So it's interesting because that's almost like sort of quite Brentford-esque. Um, the question that you've got to ask is obviously there's like stories going around saying that we've been tracking him for a while and there's only a coincidence that it just happens that uh, Noosa happened to be at Club Bruges who we were initially trying to sign we, we, and, and it fell down pretty much on deadline day when the the medical didn't quite 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 go right and the next minute bang we end up going and signing his teammate who kind of like you know who's the center forward um we thought that maybe it might have been a little kind of bit of like club brew says all right okay you can't have noosa but we need the money here you go you could have tiago instead but the word on the street is that we've actually been tracking this guy for a, a bit of time yeah well we you know we can't afford to dick around can we let's let's be honest uh if if we're gonna 
we've seen what happens if you take your leading goal scorer out of the team for eight months. You you, you can cope, but ultimately, you know, you, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. You know, we've we've taken twenty goals out of our team from from day one this season, and you know, now we you know although Ivan scored four, um, you know, it, it it shows that we need we we, we can't take risks uh, with with kind of like uh, rookies coming from necessarily the lower leagues in this position. And that's going to come at a premium. We're going to have to pay big money for for an Ivan Tony replacement if we're if we're expecting a similar kind of return. You know, I, I think it would be great if there was a kind of a a rookie homegrown stroke coming through the Brentford kind of tradition, more more traditional scout, you know, scouting network of of, of a, a striker, you know, as a backup. We, we don't seem to have that at the moment. It's, you know, all, all our eggs in, are pretty much in one striking basket um, in the same way that they were with Rico Henry at left back. You know, there wasn't really a backup. And you take Ivan out of the team, there's not really a backup. Um, and so we, we need to look at that in the summer as well, I think. You know, we had, you know, Marcus Force, uh, but we had to like, let him go to kind of flourish elsewhere. Um, and he, he wasn't a you know, he wasn't a like for like replacement for Ivan anyway. They were they were different players. So so yeah, it, it's a, it's an area that we're probably going to have to invest even more money in Bill. Um, if I'm honest with you, because we can't we can't let you know one injury put us back in the situation we were up until you know Ivan came back against Forest. So yeah, it's more money is is is, is inevitably going to be spent if we want to kind of underpin. Um, our, our premiership credentials and we don't kind of go through um, you know this kind of like looking over your shoulder every season um, yeah it's, yeah it's a toughie it's a toughie yeah, it is tough um, the one thing I would say to you though is um, you know you're sort of saying we need to get this homegrown player in it goes with our traditional roots if you noticed um, Tiago came out of nowhere right there's no sniffs on him it's all of a sudden bang we've just signed him and we've signed him for a lot of money uh, we mentioned this before on the podcast. The problems that we seem to be having at the moment now is that anytime we try and sign a player, the word gets out. The agent probably puts the word out. Boom, you go out there. And as soon as there's any sort of kind of prolonged period of time, um, like say, for example, a massively long transfer window. And that's why for Brentford, it's much better for us if the transfer window was a week or five days. Because at the end of the day, that, that month is just nonsense anyway. There's all sorts of rubbish that just doesn't happen in that time. Might as well make it five days and people could do their business, bing, bang, bong, and it's done. But when the word gets out, we struggle to find these players, sign these players because people go, Brentford are after them. And then next minute, like I said to you, Tottenham or wherever else is, just puts in loads more money and we're out the loop. This scenario, we obviously managed to get the deal done very, very quickly. They took a risk, but but the reason they thought is that if he's scoring goals, his price will go up in the summer and then we won't be able to get him. And we're at that situation now where we need to be moving fast all the time and moving underneath the radar. And I think this is what's happened here. And I, I could imagine that there'll probably be a lot more kind of under the radar stuff happening maybe deals being done in the background where we're kind of trying to tie players up maybe a lot further in advance taking them risks maybe sort of loaning them back even to their to their parent clubs um you know like with you know Thiago I mean we could have signed him and bought him in recently but apparently he wanted to continue to help his club in Europe um which is fair enough like you know so look I said to you interesting times for us and like I said to you um we won't know until the new into the new season how 
much of a risk we've taken on this character but fingers crossed it'll be uh it'll be a good it'll be a good gamble yeah i'm, I'm hoping so i'm hoping so and you know we've touched upon the injuries as well bill that you know um we've, we've had to endure the season and before we go you know talk about the west ham game i think i don't know if you saw the bbc sport um uh stats that came out i think it was yesterday that kind of lists every premiership club how many they how many injuries each club have sustained um, in terms of like a number of players and how many days lost of the season like the cumulative loss of the season and it, it just underlines what we we kind of suspected that you know Brentford have, have been hit the not necessarily the hardest second hardest in total days lost of any other club um, in the Premiership so Newcastle the, the the much reported Newcastle injury crisis, um, one thousand three hundred and thirty three days lost this season. Newcastle players, um, Brentford one thousand one hundred and fifty nine. Sheffield United, um, uh, or oh, sorry, sorry, Chelsea just behind them one thousand and ninety one, and then Sheffield United one thousand and eighty one. So. You know, over a, well over a thousand days of of of, of accumulated and loss. And accumulated loss, and that a lot of them are such important players to us. And I think that's that's inevitable in a, in teams like Brentford, where you know our, our our squad isn't that deep in terms of like top class quality. You know, I think you know Newcastle probably are in the same similarish boat, but you know, like Chelsea, have got you know quality goes quite deep in that squad so uh it's going to affect us probably disproportionately than 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 most others so uh yeah that was a kind of interesting in a kind of a bit of a grotesque way but it kind of like uh, underlines what we all thought and then obviously on top of that Ivan Tony which wasn't in those in that data at all so they were just injuries um yes, Tony's was a suspension so you know we we when you take Tony into the equation we would have been affected by absentee players more than any other club um, in the Premier League. Yeah, 100%, you know, 200 odd days on top of that, we would have eclipsed the Newcastle total. I mean, just to let you know, this is on Premier Injuries, premierinjuries.com as well. So if you have a look at premierinjuries.com, it will show you uh, this little chart here. And just to give you an idea as to, because you're thinking, oh, you know, what is a thousand in comparison to? So the bottom of the this, the the, the, the team with the least amount of um, players, um, days lost due to players injured was Wolverhampton Wanderers. 316 uh, uh, um, the, the days lost. Okay, and then West Ham with 331. We played West Ham, um, obviously, kind of a, a few days ago. So, again, you're looking at sort of West Ham, who basically, in effect, have had no injuries against Brentford, who have had a million injuries, like you know what I'm saying. Uh, Bournemouth, 567. Arsenal, 771. Fulham, 616. Man City, 565. Everton, who are kind of in and around the same areas as us, is 555. Um, and Burnley, 778. So, you can kind of get an idea as to kind of where we're at and the, and the, and the problems that we're having. Luton, 716 as well. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely in pickles hole when it comes to, to, to players lost, but it's not something that we didn't know uh, at all. Um, what no, else? I mean, well, so there, there's, I mean, there's kind of that, it does, you know, of looking at the... Tw- Where's that dust coming from? 
Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Twitter, you know, we, we, we tweeted that up on at, at Besotted and, you know, there's rightly, you know, comment um, about that. And it, it does it does kind of raise some legitimate, you know, questions. You know, have we, have we been just unlucky? You know, um, game time injuries surely go down to unlucky um, or, you know, depending on the challenge. Um, but then is, is there outside, are there other, other factors, you know, is, is, is our, is our rehabilitation, is there something, is there an issue there? Is it a training issue? Is it a player management issue? It, it, are, are the club getting something, is something changed in the training setup at the same time that's contributed to that big number or you know literally is it just sods law is it just a shit season is it is it literally all our you know all the injuries coming at the worst possible time all together you know is, we we saw you know Pinnock's injury was was in game you know so that that's that's not that's, that's not a self-induced in, in, in inverted commas injury so you know it, it, it rightfully people are kind of also saying is it just as law or you know, has something changed within the training ground setup? Or, Laney, something else that you did actually manage to sort of, uh, you, 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 you flagged this up. Oh, yeah. Four out of, was it you that flagged it up or maybe somebody else? Four out of the five teams, okay, um, who uh, went to America on the pre-season tour have got quite horrendous injury, injury um, records. Is that, was that a really good point? Is that a really good point? If it is a really good point, I it was me that said it. And if it's a really dull point, it was someone else. Yeah, it was someone else actually. No, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. You know, there's, there's, there's. I, 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 I am not. I'm sure that's coincidence, but um, yeah. I, I, I also, I don't think there's going to be a tour this year. That's the other thing. I think, I think the club have, uh, are going to make a decision to um, get pre-season done as a kind of like a proper. Um, a proper pre-season rather Germany. than an exhibition. Yeah, it'd probably be behind, behind closed doors. It's not facts, but from 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 what I'm hearing, it's there won't be a and there won't be a trip to America this summer. Yeah, okay. Which is no, listen, we've done we've done what we had to do. Like I said to you, little trip, little little, little Nashville trip, which I know that you're still still pondering on, Nadi. But we will mm-hmm. talk about that. All the Americans out there, they'll know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, finally been quite a long intro this but that's because we don't want to talk about the football that we've mm. played or didn't play on monday night uh, i just want to talk about the football blacklist uh congratulations to marcus gale brentford's very own marcus gale who was uh, nominated onto the football blacklist um a couple of days ago as well uh, the celebration um event is going to be in a few weeks time down in uh down in clapham as well so uh, so we shall be down there for that one as well which is uh, like i said a big congratulations to marcus girl the football blacklist as uh, found in 2008 by leon mann and rodney hines 
sports journalists as well and that highlights dedicated and, in, in, and influential individuals from the black community who are working in football who make a difference within the community at grassroots level and also within the senior levels of games as well so supported by the fa pgml lma kick it out you know football league loads of different people involved in it it's a massive event it's grown bigger and bigger and bigger over the years and uh he, he joined he's in this team company marcus gale on the blacklist the first big brentford person to actually go on the blacklist was lorna falconer who was on the practitioners in 2019 i think it was ivan tony was uh, nominated on the blacklist last year along with myself um he was on the players and i was on the community and grassroots was uh, nominated onto that and then marcus gale is on the blacklist this week uh, this year for his work that he's done uh for uh, within you know racism and diversity so big up marcus gale brilliant guy he's done loads of stuff with us over the years we've known he used to stand on the terraces of us back in the day back in the day we used to do interviews with him back in the pub when he was playing for brentford and yeah he's always been there to support and he's been doing some great work so well done marcus um very proud of you and i'll see you on the 21st i was actually on the judging panel for the blacklist this year as well so uh, I, I knew that marcus actually got the award but i had to keep it still because you know all that kind of stuff like you know embargo and all that business which is all good well, yeah, well done. Well done. And uh, yeah, well, I'll have a good night, Bill. That's what I say. Jeez, it should be all good. So listen, I know when we didn't have a good night mm. at West Ham oh, on do we Monday have to? night. Oh, do we have to? What we're going to do, on, go on. We're, we're going to go oh. away. We're going to have a little drink. Oh. We're going to come back and we are going to talk about West Ham. Uh, bloody bubble machine. West Ham. We tried to we tried to make a go of it, West Ham, and I'm not talking about the team here. We're talking about us. We tried to um, we probably sort of envisaged um, a kick football out of football day. So uh, we met relatively early, mid afternoon. We went to the city. We actually went to um, where did we go to? We went to that market. What was it called again? It was like the old Bishopsgate. Bishopsgate was it Bishopsgate Market? No, it wasn't Bishopsgate Market. But yeah, it's up there somewhere. It's near Bishopsgate. Yeah, that market that. I've been there for years and it's completely changed, you know, between there and Old Street as well. And um, yeah, so we had, we had a few beers there. Just cool before heading over to Hackney Week. Had a few more beers there before the match. And to be quite honest with you, um, we got into the game. The game started. We were 2-0 down after six minutes. And it was the first time, and I'm not saying that I was going to, but the first time you sort of thought, tell you what, should we just, you know, maybe go back and watch it in the bar? Because it was, it looked like it was going to be that bad. We literally were just like sucker punched. And we looked like West Ham were just, they were on it. You know, they were like, you know, they were just, you know, just buzzing around energy, just having a go. And we just looked like we were just not at the races. And it was one of those ones where you think, hmm, we may have to, but no. You stay and support your team. Unlike the West Ham fans who left in their droves weeks before when they got absolutely pumped by, was it Arsenal? Um, no, we decided to stay and we just had to suck it up. And Christ almighty, did we suck it up, didn't we, lady? Yeah, I mean, on that note, I, I was surprised, you know, it seems to be the, the, the norm now that you, you concede a fourth goal and uh, everyone just goes home. But that, that wasn't the case. There obviously were people that, that went and, you know, they, they, everyone's got the right to do what they want. But um, 
most most Brentford fans stayed right to the end, and uh, that was that was quite impressive under the circumstances. I, I wish I hadn't gone. Um, let's put it that way. You know, it was a schlep over there. It was freezing cold. Um, um, uh, I, I don't particularly like going to that stadium for a million reasons that I won't go into right now. But um, it's just a shit stadium to watch football in. It's not a football stadium. It's odd. Um, uh, we we were to the right hand side of the uh, of, of the the away section, right next to the West Ham idiots to to the to the right of us, who literally didn't watch the game. They were just hurling abuse at like three people pretty much throughout the game. It was humorless. It was humorless. It was yeah. humorless, and it was just awful. Um, it was just like oh god, it just got got on my nerves. That and the game. Um, so uh, yeah, six minutes. And six minutes and into, on. two goals down, and it 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 did get a little bit better. Um, I, I just I went there expecting, not expecting. I went there feeling that we could get a, at least a point out of that. West Ham take Jared Bowen out of it. They weren't particularly great. I didn't think we got at them. Uh, even a subdued performance, we we created a fair few chances. Their goalkeeper pulled off a couple of great saves. We laid siege to the goal um, in injury time. You could say, yeah, big deal. The game's gone by then. But, you know, it, we could have scored a couple in that injury time. We didn't. Um, it could have been very different. The goal, the third goal, uh, and then obviously the fourth, uh, it, it it really hit us, you know, just when I thought there's a chance of us spinning this one round. 2-1, um, I, I, I rate us to score again. 3-1, it was, I think it was quite a lot to ask, I think. Um, but, they, you know, we scored a really good goal um, and there was uh, there were other chances. So, you know, uh, we got what we deserved overall. Though. I'm not, I'm not going to try and wrap that up in any, you know, on another day we take our chances. It's a four-all draw. We, we, we deservedly lost that. Um, and I expect a lot more from from the players, even even the injury ravaged players. And I am concerned um, that our defence, you know, after looking really strong and really structured uh, up at the Etihad against uh, you know um, Man City a few days before that, we, we 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 did ourselves justice, you know, and we, we came away going, oh yeah, well we've lost, but it's Man City and it was only one nil, and it's Haaland, you know, you, Haaland showed. Um, this week, what he can do to uh, you know a, a, another team. He scored five goals um, against Luton in the FA Cup. Um, so that you know that shows what a what a strong performance that our lads put in um, up in Manchester. But to, to to go then to West Ham and do yourselves no justice, he, it's it's it was a galling watch, Bill. And you know we have to we have to put it right um, against Chelsea uh, this weekend. We just we have to. Yeah, I mean, 100% we need to put it right. Tell you what, let's go into the fans. Uh, we didn't speak to too many fans because, to be quite honest, everyone's was too depressed. But we were, we'll have a little bit of a feel what the fans had to say directly after that game against West Ham. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people have kind of said we weren't great today. We lost in the first 10 minutes. So, you know, when the first two goals went in, we just make, we just seemed to make life a lot difficult for us. There's a good team in there. The genesis is there, but we're just not performing. And, not, you know, there's something that's stopping us performing because we know we can play well. 
and we know we can get results but there's something not quite right there and I think I think the the, the one of the main problems the defense as you've said it is it, it's not great and I think because of various different issues defense form you know and it's all it's all you know getting getting towards getting against us now and we're struggling and we are we are struggling there's no real other way to do it I mean, oh well I think in that first half I think well it was an awful start I mean but I mean, we did well to really stabilise it a bit after that second West Ham goal. I mean, we were able to get on the... We, we got that goal back. But it's just like a lot of our playing the first half, we felt was so lacklustre and really slow. And there wasn't enough tempo on the ball. And you, you just... We, we never really, 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 apart from the goal in that first half, we did nothing else. I don't even want to talk about it. Basically, uh, at 4-1, at 4-1... We look good. At 4-1, we look really good. We come alive. We started passing the ball. We started bringing, putting box, balls into the box. Um, you know, oh, six minutes in, we're 2-0 down. Um, and if I'm honest, you, you know, even at 2-0, even at you sat for, OK, you know, and then we come back, 2-1, and you sat for, if you could just get a chief goal, and then it's three, then it's four... But what was really interesting, a, a bit like that Liverpool game as well, we go 4-1 down and then all of a sudden we kind of, you know, we lift the... Again, I know Thomas likes to kind of stick with this, make substitutions for 70 minutes, but there's certain games you just can't do that. You've got to bite the bullet. You know, Lewis Poirier had a great... He had, you know, he, he, he worked hard, but I think that like, Jensen and a couple of other people, Tony just looked completely off the ball like he left... We, 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 we were weak against a team that we did expect to get points from. We've beaten them five times out of six now. They were due to beat us, but you know we have, we have to we have to find a way of improving ourselves because there was weakness. All I mean, I don't know why we're waiting so long to bring on subs. Like four one down, it's seventy minutes played. It's, it's way too late. Oh, I think we lack mobility today, right? We lacked a lot of movement on the pitch. Looked a bit brighter when Whistler came on, but, you know. Hey, look, bright side, two all in 93 minutes, right? It was just a shame about that. Both of fans to Law to the end. Um, oh, great goal. The fourth goal from West Ham. I'm not being funny. You've got to give credit. I mean, they, it was a bit like when Godos scored that goal against Burnley at home. And everyone went, shoot. And the West Ham fans went, shoot. And he shot. And it was a great goal. And you've got to give him that. But apart from that, we sat, we know we sung our hearts out. We stayed to the end. Um, it, it was a hard game to watch. We go again on Saturday. There you have it, fans. Um, pretty unanimous. We didn't really need to speak to too many people for them to give us the vibe. Um, what was going down the, the one thing i will say is that what is very very obvious is we are scoring goals and i've said this before where you have to fear is when you're not scoring goals if you're not scoring goals you're in trouble right because you ain't going to win any goals games if you score goals yeah you might eke out a few draws but you know if you're leaking goals then you won't do that as well our problem is defensively we're letting in so many goals and there is a stat out there. I can't even remember where it is, how many goals that we've let in over the past you know, 10 or 12 or 14 games as well. And it is just it is right up there. I think it's maybe us and Sheffield United who have let in the most goals in the past 12 or 14 games. So there's an argument to say that our defence is um, relegation fodder at the moment now, if you're leaking that amount of goals. However, we are scoring goals as well. And the other scenario I have, and like I said to you, I'm always glass half full. And I'm not saying this because, you know, listen, everyone's got their rights to be, you know, to be to be concerned. 
right is that we have to basically it's almost like you've got to see each game as an individual game and eke out a result for them so for example you might go and you get might get beaten 8-0 in one match but then the next match you can eke out a 1-0 win and what's the most important thing is for you to actually be looking especially as Thomas Frank he'll be looking at each of these matches in isolation to work out what you can get from them because we have got relatively kind of I will say not very much but between now and May to actually get ourselves to safety we have got um, a certain amount of work to do but if we if we play as we know that we can play we should be able to do that right to get those what three results that we might need is it four results maybe three results that we, that we might need um, we don't have 538 anymore because we'd be sitting there pouring over 538 looking at what our relegation stats are and our chances are where they're putting us in the charts compared to the XG um, the, you know the XG and the, the Justice League I had a quick look at the Justice League and ironically, you know, we're, I think we're 10th according to that. So we should be 10th. Um, Lady talked about a bit earlier that we're kind of one of the most unluckiest sides in the whole of Europe, which basically means that we haven't taken our chances. And this is in the whole of Europe. You know, I, I facetiously said, you know, what, does that mean that we're unlucky or we just been shit in front of goal? You know, these are the questions that you've asked. It doesn't really matter. The fact is that the good thing is that we create opportunities. The bad thing is that we're not putting them away. But again, I've said this before, if we ain't creating the opportunities or if we ain't scoring the goals, that's when you have to worry. And that's where I think the difference between us and your Sheffield United's, where your Burnley's, potentially your Luton's, um, even your Nottingham Forests and teams like that as well. Um, so that's where I'm still kind of on this kind of, I'm relaxed as to where we are. Looking at the odds, what we're eight to one, where Sheffield United are, you know, I mean, you, you, you wouldn't even bet on them. And we've got about four or five teams in front of us, six teams in front of us. Uh, the word on the street as well is, Laney, um, I think that the, the, the club seems to be relatively kind of comfortable with our position as well. Um, don't, don't you feel? Yeah, well, I, I don't. I don't get the impression that there's pa anyone's panicking. Um, you know, let, let's, let's. I mean, let's look. The, the the odds, the betting odds. They don't. They don't. They're not normally a million miles away from riot. You know, Sheffield United, as you, as you already said, they're gone. You know, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll go William Hill, right? Just for want of any anyone. No, we're not sponsored by them. I'm just picking this number as a. So they're all the same. Sheffield United, one to a hundred, you're going to get relegated. Um, so they're they're gone, according to them. But you know, every hundred pounds, every one, every hundred pounds you put on, they'll give you one back. So you know, you, no one would do that. Um, twenty-five, one to twenty-five, Burnley. So they're saying they're pretty much gone. Luton, eight to fifteen. They're more of a chance, but probably gone. Then it's Forest, seven to four. Then Everton, seven to one. Then us, eleven to one. That's there's there's. Well, I'm not, I don't think we ought to go into the points deduction too much this week, although Everton had their points deduction reduced from 10 points to six, which puts them above us. But even with that above us, the, the, the betting, the, you know, the, the bookies are saying that they've got more chance of going down than us because there's more points deductions to come. I think there might be news on Forests in the next week or two weeks where that they they will um you know their fate will, for ffp or sustainability will be meted out um, that, that's right i mean the, the forest um not judgment but the forest are hearing i think starts next week so that's gonna be very interesting isn't it yeah it's pivotal you know we, we shouldn't you know and i can hear people saying it we shouldn't have to rely on other people's mismanagement to save our bacon true but 
the facts are the facts. You know, we, we you know, it looks like those three are going to go down anyway. Sheffield United, Burnley, Luton. So even even without the financial cheating and shenanigans, you know, it looks like those the, the relegation places are sorted out. Not that there's any room for complacency because if we if we lose the rest of our games, then we'll we'll we'll, we'll rightly get relegated. Um, I think the consensus of, of us lot, us pissheads around the table on Monday night and the footballing world at large is that 35 points will probably be way this season in particular, more, way more than enough to, to, to guarantee survival. That means we need 10 points, which means we if we win three of our 12 remaining games, we'll be all right. Uh, I, I still I'm expecting us or hope yeah I know I'm expecting us to do better than that you know I, I think we can beat Chelsea tomorrow I don't think we necessarily we go to Arsenal the following week I'm expecting too much it's not to say we can't pull something out of the bag but being a realist Burnley away I'll take a point Man United at home is a good chance we get a point there Brighton at home we'll see what which Brighton turn up on the day Villa away is going to be tough Sheffield United at home, it should be a guaranteed win for us, or and if not a point. Luton away is going to be tough. Everton away is going to be an absolute cauldron up there. But you know, and then we've got Fulham at home, Bournemouth away, and then Newcastle at home. This this points there. You know, we once once Arsenal uh, once Arsenal are out of the way, there's still a couple of difficult ones. You know, they're all difficult, but there's there's at least I think there's at least three, maybe four wins there and five. Um, if we if we can put together a a, de- a decent team and our defence is, is is solid, so you know there's a lot of hope there. And then if it's all about survival, these uh, FFP sustainability uh, hearings and punishments are are critical. And I think the quicker we can draw a line under this season and then put it behind us, the better. And then it's all about next year. So I. Personally, you know, I can only speak for myself. Have every faith in in us surviving. Um, am I happy that it's it's we're this close to the bottom? Of course, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to see us lose every week. It's, there's, there's no fun in watching your team lose every week. But um, I think there are. There's a lot of there's a lot of factors at, at play here. And um, you know, I'll, I'll cut them some slack if if, if our defence can sort itself out. Yeah. So, so talking about players sorting themselves out. Let's just look at that. Go back to the match again, and let's to see who actually did sort themselves out on the pitch. And the besotted global player of the match was Keen Lewis Potter. Second was Norgard, and third was Malpake. KLP was actually the clear winner, and he had his third man of the match. Uh, Norgard, Malpake, and Risa all tied on votes and were separated by a tie break as well. Thanks to the Tasmanian B, who'll be coming over in a few weeks' time as well. We look forward to seeing him coming over all the way from Tasmania. He does this week in and week out from Tasmania. we got bees all over the place. So, like I said to you, KLP, who had a, a bit of a decent game as well. But just looking back, however, at that match, and I'm going to say to you, is that we think, OK, KLP had a decent game. Scored to whoscored.com. The top five rated players from all West Ham, probably unsurprisingly. The first player was actually Emerson, right? And he got, and I'll tell you something, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Um, maybe we had it once with one of our players, maybe with Mbumo one time, but maybe. He got 10 out of 10, according to whoscored.com, right? For his his performance on Monday night. Emerson, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Jared Bowen got 9 out of 10, 9.4 out of 10, actually. Um, Kudos got 8 out of 10. Uh, Kufal got 7, uh, 7.7 and Suchek got 7.4. So all five 
West Ham players. Um, they created a, a large number of chances relative to their possession, stole the ball a lot from us. They also created goal scoring opportunities from the flanks and from counter attacks, and they were strong at finishing. And where they were weak, they lost possession often. For us, we stole the ball a lot from them, and we also created goal scoring opportunities from long shot situations and also from the flanks. However, we gave away a lot of free kicks around the box and we are caught offside often. That gives you a little bit of a lowdown um, on the scenario with West Ham. But I'll tell you something, that's where it goes where we've talked about it. I've given you a little bit of kind of statistical analysis, but we're going to go over to the Gowler, the Bees Breakdown Posse. And they're going to let you know exactly what the statistical and tactical lowdown was for that West Ham game. And they're also going to look forward to the Chelsea game. Hey, this is Jacob Galler with Bees Breakdown. So while Brentford held 59% possession and only had 0.5 less XG, West Ham took advantage of Brentford's 3-5-2 by exploiting the space left by the wingbacks pushing so far forward. And that forced Zonka and Binmi to defend wide areas. And you saw those those first two goals, a few cutbacks, you just put them up early. Uh, and then the Bees still chose to build out of the back, but they had trouble and build up. Uh, with West Ham's press forcing some errors. And we really, we did see some new tactics this match, uh, which Thomas Frank has rarely used before. They would have deployed a, a box midfield win in West Ham's half, and that had Norgard and Jensen at the base, and then Mape and Onyeka were further forward. Uh, but the Bees really didn't find much success against West Ham's narrow and compact shape, uh, and Brentford's insistence to play through the center of the pitch. Uh, they, they even relied on Tony to then drop in and receive the ball. Uh, which you know led to the bees only recording two shots in the first half, and their tactics even led to the two uh, early goals for West Ham, which you know the bees tried, but they just couldn't recover from. All right, so now for that Chelsea preview. So they're currently 11th, but similar to Brentford, they've massively underperformed, and their expected goal difference is fifth. So that suggests they should be a bit higher in the table. Uh, but they have the second worst goals minus XG at minus 5.7, which is just below Brentford at minus 5.2. Um, so they actually do have the highest XG per shot. So the shots that they are taking are, are dangerous, even if they just aren't converting those chances. And Chelsea are a heavy possession side. They're, they're rarely going to send it long. And they, they actually have the most completed through ball so far this season. Uh, and some of those through balls are coming after quickly winning back possession through defensive actions, uh, which is what Brentford have been struggling with recently. So I think Thomas Frank is, is going to make a fair amount of adjustments and go back to more of that counterattacking football against Chelsea that's given them trouble in the past. So there you go, the Gowler. Bees breakdown, giving us a bit of a lowdown of what went wrong at West Ham and what's not Gonna go wrong at Chelsea. Picking the vibe up though, we got JB in the house, and like I said to you, he's come up with some linking modern investment to historical investment. JB's gonna give us some facts and some funk. Jonathan Birchall here again. All good things come to an end. 
and after five straight Premier League wins over West Ham, it was a pointless return from the other side of London. Vitaly Janelt wasn't in the starting eleven. He had been the only player to have started in all of our previous 25 Premier League games this season. We conceded two goals in the first seven minutes, matching the start we made at Aston Villa last season. Johan Wisser became our first substitute to score in an away game this season. Thomas said afterwards, when you score two goals, you expect to get something from the game. He's right. We've scored two in 45 of our Premier League games, which have resulted in 33 wins, nine draws and just three defeats. The losses have all happened in London, before West Ham, there were Spurs a few weeks ago, and at Fulham last season. With 26 now played, we're still only just at the start of the final third of the season. Away from matters on the pitch, just short of 100 years ago, Gunnersbury Park passed from wealthy private ownership to local councils. The estate was originally much larger and would have incorporated the land on which the GTEC now stands. Indeed, Lionel Road was named after a family member. Back in 1903, Brentford decided to change the stripes on our shirts from claret and blue to blue and gold to reflect the racing colours of Gunnersbury's owners. It was thought that they were changed in hope that they might encourage their investment in the club. Last week came the news that Matthew Bennett was appointed a firm to potentially explore new investment interests for the club. By a turn of fate, the firm he's appointed is Rothschilds, who were the very same family connection who owned Gunnersbury and whose investment the club sought 120 years ago. So there you go, JB with Facts and Funk. And uh, just, just going back, we are talking about um, relegation and we were going through the odds and everything like that. And uh, there's one per team as well we talked about, Burnley, who we feel are very much in a relegation. Why, if you, you know, if you talk to any of our two Burnley chums as well, they feel that they're actually in a bit of a pickle. Um, and they're in two minds as to how they should deal with their manager. Some of them are thinking that their manager should leave. And other of them think that they should actually kind of go back to the championship where he can reset. I know Vincent Company, um, you've uh, done a, a book, you've done his book, Laney. And the interesting thing is that Vincent Company is also somebody who got voted on to the football blacklist this term as well. So, uh, so sort of kind of one of your book people is also on the on, on the football blacklist, lady. So there's uh, there's lots of links into Brentford and relegation and all sorts of stuff, isn't there? Yeah, I'm. I'm just waiting on Burnley's fate really to to work out when to uh, to, to to launch the book. It's uh, it's called Company: The Making of the Man, and it's uh, it's about his. It's not about his time at Burnley. It's about his his, his life and his his uh, his parents and, and his dad and um, growing up and uh, you know his involvement with charity work in the Congo or the. the the Democratic Republic of Congo or Zaire. He's it's had, it's had lots of uh, lots of names. The Congo, um, and you know the Belgian legacy of, of, of their reign and their you know their part of their Belgian Empire. It's, it's a fascinating book. It's it's a, it, 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 it's about him growing up and how he's turned into the person he is. You know, um, uh, so I just need to know whether Burnley are going to stay up or get relegated. Where they're going to get relegated, but um, I, I just need to, to finish it. It'll be out for next season. It's, again, it's not a Burnley book, but I just need to. Obviously, it needs to be topped and tailed properly. So, uh, yeah, no, that's that's interesting. But I know I was up 
I was up in Burnley uh, last Thursday um, uh, doing some some work on on, on the black for Blackburn Rovers. Funny enough, and I went over to see a Burnley author, and they're 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 resigned to it. They they, they know they're down. Um, it's all about next season, um, and they think that he will be still there, which is interesting. It's not very Premier League, is it? To kind of allow. Um, a, a, a manager to take you down, but uh, yeah, interest, interesting. Um, it's not quite as toxic as it would be elsewhere, I don't think. But I think they probably knew fairly early that it was almost an, an impossible task to survive. Um, so yeah, it's, it's 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 weird, weird going up there. But there you go. There you go. So listen, um, look, we're gonna take a little break, and then what we're gonna do? We're gonna come back. We're just gonna have a little brief chat about Chelsea. So, Brentford, welcome, Chelsea, to New Griffin Park on Saturday. Um, it's one of those ones where, I don't know, we actually don't really know how this game's going to pan out. We know, obviously, Chelsea have got billions and literally billions of pounds worth of players in the vaults. Sometimes it goes horribly wrong. Sometimes it goes horribly right. Um, Chelsea were playing midweek against Leeds United in the Cup. Had a bit of a scare. Um, Leeds came back and, you know, said to you, a couple of goals, they went ahead as well. And then, you know, they got a couple of goals. Um, Chelsea got a couple of goals and then Leeds pulled a goal back and it looked like it was going to go to extra time, which we were all very happy with because we wanted to go to extra time and penalties and completely knacker them out, especially as it was a Wednesday game as well. So not much recovery time. You know, they would have had the Thursday off, gone into training, probably light training on the Friday and then come and play us on the Saturday. And then they scored a goal in 90 plus four i think it is uh and that tell you something getting a late goal like that in a cup game is always going to give you a boost so probably wasn't the best result for brentford that was it oh i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read too much into anything else you know they, they lost the you know the league cup final last week and you know they've been lambasted for that and the people said oh they're gonna get a reaction um they weren't really it was it was an all right performance by Chelsea and yeah they'd be happy that they won but they weren't that good um uh, think there's obviously things we need to look out for um and obviously we, we need to be aware and we know what they're capable of um you know it's we just got to concentrate on ourselves I, I, you know it, it's I know it's a cliche but you know there's two two 90 minutes that aren't the same I, I didn't you know Chelsea are capable of coming and winning um either really well or really ugly you know we we should have beaten them at our place already since we've been in the Premier League. Um, we've beaten them all three times away. Um, uh, and then at home, um, it's been it's been a draw and a defeat. You know, we, we played them in the uh, in the League Cup as well, which they won. So I'm not I won't bring that into the into the equation. But we should have we should have got a draw in the first game at least, or beaten them, and then we deserve to win in the nil-nil draw last season. So you know, I think we've been a little bit hard done by on our patch, but overall We've our record against Chelsea is really impressive, uh, lot in a similar way that it was against West Ham until they beat us um, on Monday night. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not fearing Chelsea in the same way that I did uh, Man Man City a few weeks ago or going to Arsenal week after. You know, it's it's they're they're a, they're a shadow of them, their former selves, and uh, you know if they all play to their potential then obviously they're capable of anything but they they haven't done that for such a long time that it's it seems unlikely that they're going to come and uh you know give us a right of dick in 
Okay, Laney, and, and I hear that. However, mm. I'm just being devil's advocate here. Yes. We are running out of players. Yes, I mean, literally, we we're running out of players. Yeah. And, and, and we, we, we don't seem to be able to keep a clean sheet. We have literally just, we have just absolutely just letting goals left, right and centre. And we don't seem to be capable of not letting in goals left, right and centre. We have a defence which seems to change every single week. Every time we get a player coming back or a player look like he's good, boom, then he goes out and then we have to change it again. Yeah. And this is, you know, this isn't, <laughs> this doesn't bode well um, for, you know, love them or hate them. You know, they have got some good players in their side and um, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to have to be on the money. You know, when we played up at Chelsea, don't forget that first half, it was a little bit like the Alamo and we kind of got away with it a little bit and then we hit them on the second half and we also hit them with a bit of pace that we had with Brian and Bumo. Um, not the pace with, um, obviously, with <laughs> with uh, Neil Malpe because he, uh, <laughs> you know, with that goal, he, he, he was like running backwards with the second mm. goal that, that, that we scored as well. But we, we, we hit them with pace. So we're lacking quite a lot of elements. Not saying that we can't do the business this time, but this is a very, very different team that beat Chelsea at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it is. It's, it's daunting. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I, I know the odds are kind of stacked against us with, you know, players disappearing. And, you know, we're, we're, I'm not comparing uh, this Brentford team to the Brentford team we played them earlier in the season or certainly not last season or, or the season before. It, it's they've, they've got the luxury of being able to, to pick pretty much who they want um, and we haven't so you know if we can get anything out of this game it will be a massive achievement I, I, I don't underestimate the, 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 magnitude, the magnitude of the task ahead um, but I just I, I, I get a vibe sometimes and I, I, I don't see us getting properly turned over chances are we, we probably will but they should be they should be stronger than us you know the the odds they're odds on favourites, um, but you know I, I I do expect us to dig deep, um, and even with teams where we've rested players in the in the league cup against them, uh, we, we've done all right. So uh, yeah, we need big performances though, and I hope we can uh, we can get that from all eleven that are on the pitch. Hey, so I mean, just coming back to the game itself, we had another injury as well, and quite an important injury because defensively. We've been struggling and Ben Mee looks like he went off and the word on the street is that he's not looking too clever. So let's just presume that now Ben Mee also is out, you know, who is our probably 745th defender who is going to be missing this season. So with Ben Mee out, uh, is your ex and so we've got, we got Aya and Zanka in defence at the moment now, um, if you're going three at the back, which we normally go against sides against Brentford. So are you expecting Roslev to come on? Um, and like, I mean, formation-wise, I well, don't know how this. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, formation-wise, anything's possible, I guess. But you know, Roslev has to come into the equation. We've also talked about you know, um, uh, Norgard coming back into the into the back line. Is Yanelk going to come into the back line? You know, we are we are clutching at straws there. It's, it's not it's not great. You know, obviously Zanka is going to be important. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't dress this up in any, any other way apart from it, it being really, it's going to be a difficult selection, and I'm sure we'll be scratching our heads, going, "Oh my God, how's this lot going to cope?" But um, I, I just have to, I have to, I have to back them, Bill. You know, until until they prove us wrong, there's no point in, there's no point in us writing this game off already, is there? You know. Is a good is a good chance we can get something out of it, um, but it's going to be you know it's going to be a random team for sure. 
Indeed, indeed. And, and had a good game, though, Keen Lewis Potter, who came in the side. So we can expect him to start again as well. Uh, Regulon, we need, which is, you know, he's going to be in there because we need him. You know, he seems to get subbed off after a particular period of time, maybe about 70, 75 minutes or so as well. Um, Frank Onyeka as well. It looks like, you know, he's a player that is kind of sort of, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a solid player for us at the moment now. The question I suppose we're going to ask, are we talking about Malpe or Wisa starting up front? For me, it's going to have to be Wisa. Um, you know, he, there is this precious little pace anywhere in that team. You know, we, we do need to be able to hit him on the break at, at, at some time. I think we'll, we'll probably concede a great deal of possession tomorrow. Um, I, I think I think Wisa looked really good um, against, uh, against West Ham. Um, and he took his goal well, and I, I, I think he's able to break. Uh, uh, and I, 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 for me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I, I, I just think him him being there provides us with a lot a, a lot more a lot more legs and, than more pay does. That's right. So listen, Chelsea three o'clock kickoff, uh, not on the box or not on any legal box in the UK. I'm sure people will be finding their uh, their ways of watching the game if you cannot actually make it to the game and like I said to your international posse out there I'm not sure if it's going to be on Peacock or what it's going to be on but like I said to you we'll have quite a lot of people watching this game because it's the Chelsea game um, score prediction Laney oh heart says one all head says defeat I go one all defeat one all Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two all. Actually, just bearing in mind that the fact that we score goals, but we don't seem to be able to to keep them out. So, uh, which is all good. But listen, good chat to you, Laney. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Don't forget to buy us a beer. Besotted.com forward slash beer. Subscribe on all good podcast channels and write us a review. Uh, Chelsea, we'll be there on Saturday. We'll be in the globe before the game. Come and say hello if you're there. Really appreciate all the people that have come up to us and given us the props. Really appreciate your support and appreciate you listening to us as well. We'll have a post-match podcast straight after the game. Hopefully we won't be crying on that one because there was almost tears in the last West Ham podcast. So we can't have two tears in a row. My name's Billy Grant and I'm here with The Lady Man. Good afternoon. Thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you uh, very soon at the weekend. And as we say, come on you bees. Come on you bees. It's a bit of Chelsea. Billion pounds. Botless. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.